From high above historic Belfont, and still in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode 17. Have you been to Phillipsburg and Clearfield? I went out into the woods this time and visited Chinklacamus, it's known as Clearfield now, and quiet little Phillipsburg, as I overheard several residents refer to it. I had a nice time, and I have some excellent, almost urgent recommendations. But first, a couple announcements, a little bit of podcast stuff. About a week ago, we hit another milestone, 5,000 total downloads. We're averaging a little over 300 downloads on each episode, which is great for less than a year in. And that's all you, too. You trying the podcast, sticking with it, and telling your friends, and I thank you for that. Please do tell your friends, and spread the word on social media. As I mentioned earlier, we are going to be traveling over the next six months, and I'm going to do some episodes from the road. Next episode will be the first, and I've got some good visits lined up. More about that at the end of the episode. I also think I'm ready to start working on the Harrisburg area. It's by far the largest population in the stag listening area, and I need to give the folks there something to chew on that's in their own backyard. There is a lot to cover, so if you've got suggestions, send them in. Now, about how this episode happened. Really, it all comes down to the we are in over in Phillipsburg. My wife and I belong to the Foodies of State College group on Facebook, and the we are in pops up all the time with over-the-top claims, the best this, the best that, and it looks like a lounge bar connected to a motel. I was really curious because people seemed sincere. And then I realized that Phillipsburg was also home to Graham's Up and Smoke barbecue joint, which I'd heard a lot of good things about as well. So Phillipsburg was definitely on. Only, it's not that big a place. And I felt like I was stretching it to get a whole episode. So I looked at the map and saw that Clearfield wasn't all that far away. And together, the two made a good episode. Two breweries, two wineries, Graham's and two other barbecue places, and some other neat things. So that's what you get today. Phillipsburg and Clearfield go way back. Phillipsburg was set up as a town in 1797 by English textile trader Henry Phillips along the Moshannon Creek. It's a native name meaning black water. Apt because the creek runs dark with tannic runoff from the sphagnum moss and the bogs that feed it. Henry named his town Moshannon as well. But when he died a few years later on a visit back to England, the town was renamed Phillipsburg as a memorial. His brother James took over and, well, I'm quoting the House History website. It was clear that James was not suited to the task, and by the time he died, eight years later, the town was reduced to just 24 inhabitants. It was left to the youngest Phillips brother, the aptly named Hardman Phillips, to make the town a success. Hardman built mills, a forge, and a screw factory, and Phillipsburg thrived as a lumber and later coal mining town. The railroad would come to town, a dam and lake provided water and recreation. These days, Phillipsburg is different. There's still some light industry, but it's more geared toward outdoors tourism, with the expansive and popular Black Moshannon State Park up the hill out of town, and plentiful state game land roundabout. The current population is about 2,800. Clearfield also had an earlier native name, but that's because it was a native village on the Great Shemokin Path, which ran from Sunbury through Lockhaven to Chinklacamus, 
The settlers changed the name to Clearfield in the early 1800s, though I couldn't find a definitive date. The name came from the large open fields of grass along the river. Like Phillipsburg, Clearfield was also a lumber and coal town, but there's still coal mining going on in Clearfield County. The town is on the west branch of the Susquehanna, and it's about twice the size of Phillipsburg at just under 6,000 people. It's also the county seat of Clearfield County. I don't have a lot of connection to either town for a change. We used to vacation near here when I was young. I remember swimming in the orange-brown water of the lake at Black Moshannon Park. I've driven through Phillipsburg a number of times since then, and the stoplights make it memorable. There was a short-lived brewery there that I wrote about in the first edition of Pennsylvania Breweries, Mount Nittany Brewing, and I stopped by in 1998 to see Mark Bloom and his dog, Jed. I remember reading about and driving by Denny's Beer Barrel Pub in Clearfield, too, and things have changed there. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself. We are going to visit Denny's and a brewery in Phillipsburg, and one in Clearfield, a couple wineries, a monkey bar, the barbecue places, and yes, the We Are In. But first, here's what I'm drinking today. Ah. So what I'm drinking today is yet another Sierra Nevada beer. I can't help myself. I like them. This is Summerfest. It's actually returning after, I think, a year off. Uh, Summerfest is a Pilsner. It's a, a beer that has always been a favorite of mine. I think they do a really nice job on it. It's 5.0% by a volume alcohol uh, made with Munich Pilsner and two-row two pale malt. And the hops are Magnum, Saphir, Tetnang, and Tradition. You know, mostly we want to talk about what it tastes like. It's, a, it's an orangey yellow beer, nice white head. The nose is all German hops. It's that... Um, floral, spicy aroma. Mm, it's just buzzy. I want to, I want, I'm going to get right into it. Mm. Wow. So good. Great malt character. The yeast, uh, does its job and gets out of the way. So you get the malt, you get the bitterness of the hops, the flavor of the hops. Mm. You know, this is what I like about a good Pilsner. You know, you, you say that a Lagers are about uh, the ingredients, or at least I do. Uh, for me, lagers are about the the malt and the hops. In this one, the hops are very much present, but not pushing over things. This is one of the better balanced beers um, in this category that I that I know of. I was really happy to find uh, some of it in uh, Wegmans and uh, bought a six pack of it. Threw it in the fridge, and that's what I'm drinking today. The first place I visited in Phillipsburg was Graham's Up and Smoke Barbecue. It's right on the southernmost edge of town. It was around one on a Friday, and it was kind of quiet. Doug Graham was working the counter, and he took my order. I got a half rack of ribs and a side of potato salad. We started talking. He was born and raised in Altoona, but he learned barbecue in Georgia in the 1980s when he was in the Army. When he got out, he worked for the Commonwealth, but did barbecue on the side. And when he retired in 2017, bought himself a barbecue trailer and started doing catering. Then he got the chance to open in this former ice cream stand in 2019. So what's he got? The barbecue gamut. Ribs, brisket, pulled pork, chicken leg quarters, they're juicier, hot sausage, and something he calls pagan heat, a split hot sausage filled with pulled pork, and the spicy version of his barbecue sauce. 
Now, about that sauce, like Graham's excellent rub, the sauce is made in-house, his own recipe. It's a compromise between the peppery, vinegar-based southern sauces that he likes and the thicker, sweeter, Kansas City-style sauces that are more favored in central Pennsylvania. I think he hits it on the nose. The sauce had the heat to open things up and the vinegar to cut that rich barbecue meat, but it has a sweet side that makes it much less edgy than a serious vinegar sauce. It's a compromise, but not the kind that Congress makes. Everyone's happy with this one. More details. He says he used to use all hickory when he was smoking on the trailer for catering, but the store sells so much volume and he's doing it every week, now he uses a mix of hardwoods. I have to use what I can get, he told me. I mean, I like smoking pork butts with a mix of oak and either hickory or alder with some fruit wood thrown in, so I'm good with this. How were the ribs? They were great, some of the best I've had since moving here. I'm not much of a brisket guy, but he did give me a slice and it was nice and juicy. The potato salad isn't made in-house, and to be honest, it's the sweet style that I don't really care for. And after seeing a pan of his smoked mac and cheese, well, I screwed up. I'd definitely get that next time. I did hit two more barbecue places in this area, and you should too. Hogs Galore is on the way into Phillipsburg on 322, tucked away in an industrial park. I mean, you have to love the name. They're a barbecue restaurant and meat market. They cut pork, stuffed sausages and sell it along with fresh chickens in the market on the right side of the space. The left side is a spotless little cafe, with an in-wall smoker right behind the counter, and you smell that wonderful rich smoke as soon as you walk in. It's all pork and chicken, no brisket, and the pulled pork I got was great. Juicy, smoky, with a good chew to it. The mac and cheese was nice and cheesy. I didn't get any crunchy bits, I would have liked that, but it was top-notch. I can't tell you about the sauce, I... Didn't get any because that pork smelled so good, I kind of inhaled it before I even thought about sauce. Try that next time. Good Q should be good without the sauce. The other place is Geo's, which is right on 322, about halfway between Phillipsburg and Clearfield. I've stopped there several times in the past because it's really tempting to get off I-80 north of there, zip down and pick up some Q, and then just head home on 322. Geo's has the full barbecue array, pulled pork, chicken, ribs, brisket, and hot sausage, and it's all the real thing. It's smoky, it's not dried out, and it sticks with you. But they have a pizza house menu as well, with pizza, stromboli, spaghetti, and a variety of sandwiches and burgers. And there's a sleeper tucked in the menu too. There's a southern fried catfish that would stand proud in any catfish shack I've been to down south. Try it! These three are the tops in central Pennsylvania for me so far, along with Kurtz and Lockhaven and Acme and Williamsport. We're going to do a barbecue episode, maybe in the fall, so if there are more places I need to know about, let me know. Speaking of extensive menus, it's time to talk about the We Are In. It is a small bar and restaurant attached to a single-story motel, but owner Pat Romano is apparently a force of nature. This Philadelphia native has created a landmark out of a roadside stop. House-made dressings, distinctive wing sauces, onion rings that impress this hard-nosed critic, and even a cheesesteak that is, in a back-alley kind of way, true to its home. What do I mean? Well, it doesn't automatically come with green peppers, lettuce, and tomatoes, which is a central Pennsylvania fetish that drives me nuts. The chef's pat cheesesteak does come with ketchup, but that's a weirdly legit thing that gets argued over even in Philly. It's also kind of endearing that it comes with both American cheese and cheese Whiz. 
As Ken Jeong famously said in Community, I'll allow it. Best argument for it? I finished that bad boy with a nice cold glass of Trogue's Perpetual IPA on the side. Speaking of beers, I also hit two bars in Clearfield for this episode. The first is actually in Hyde, an unincorporated town right next to Clearfield. That's the Toasted Monkey Tavern. I, I mostly went here for myself, not for you folks in the episode. I have this weakness for bars with monkey in the name, dating back to the incredibly divey Monkey Wharf Hotel in Altoona. I saw the Toasted Monkey on the map, it was right on my route, so I stopped. It's not much to look at, one large, squarish room with a bar at the far end. But they'd had a new trail brewing tap takeover, so I had a cold glass of crisp Pilsner, and wow, that's a big menu. Seriously, it's a two-sided sheet of paper, and they pack stuff on there. Apps, wraps, junked-up fries, pizza, burgers, wings, all that bar stuff with, with some good additionals. You know, I had to have something, so I settled for the meatball appetizer. Three meatballs a bit bigger than golf balls and really good with some bits of bacon in them for added zest, marinara sauce and cheese on top. And you know, that's when I decided you should know about this place. It's not hot cuisine, but it is good bar food, and that's not a bad thing. The other bar I stopped in that day is, to an odd degree, nationally famous. Denny's Beer Barrel Pub has been known for decades for its burger challenges and people would go out of their way to try the two-pound, three-pound, up to 25-pound burgers with proportionally-sized buns and fixings. It's just a place by the side of the road on the edge of Clearfield, but they got press in out-of-state newspapers and once in All About Beer magazine, I think. I'm not sure why, because back in the day, Denny's didn't have a great beer selection. Well, they sure as hell do now. Denny's has 40 taps, including house beers made by area brewers like Axeman and Robin Hood, and they also have two house beers made by Philly's Yards Brewing and New Belgium in Colorado. That's the big time. <laughs> I probably should have tried a burger challenge, but, you know, I need to lose weight, not add it. I did have the Yards Brewed House Beer, a nice malty amber, and I kept it to that. It's a nice place, clean, friendly, and, as you might have guessed, plenty of merch for the curious. Someday I'll come back with some skinny friends. Speaking of beer, there are two breweries in the area. I got an interview with Brent Baskin, a brewer partner at the Dead Canary in Phillipsburg, because it's a little nano brewery that's running on a two and a half barrel system, and I thought that would be interesting. He seems to know what he's doing, even though the business is a continuous seat of the pants scrambling learning process. And the beers were pretty damned good, especially his black IPA called Friendly Neighborhood Possum. Because as Brent said, possums and black IPAs are both misunderstood and underappreciated. It was hard to argue with after a half pint of it. So here's that interview. And I'm going to apologize one more time for the sound during this because while we were doing it, a ripping thunderstorm hit. You can hear a little thunder and unfortunately some static scattered through it. It was kind of fun, but I was glad the sound system was all battery powered. Hey, I'm here with uh, Brent Baskin uh, at Dead Canary in Phillipsburg, and I, <laughs> I do a lot of Scotch stuff. So, is it the Dead Canary? The Dead Canary. The Dead Canary. Yes. Okay. All right. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, the first thing is I suspect a fair number of the of the listeners haven't been here. This is my first time here, 
tell me about the place. What what was this place originally? What does it look like now? Yeah, so uh, even the people that we get in here all the time ask that question too. <laughs> <laughs> what was it before? What has it been? Um, to my knowledge, um, a deli slash restaurant type of thing, uh, kind of a general store at one point. Um, and, we're, and we're pretty much in downtown. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right here on Front Street through Phillipsburg, so kind of the main drag. Um yeah, I think there was a dentist office upstairs oh, wow. at one point. Um, but yeah, the actual upstairs. Yeah. How high is the ceiling here? What is that? Like? Oh, I, yeah, I think feet? it's uh, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah somewhere yeah. in there. Two me's, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I mean, there's a nice long bar here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and and as you mentioned when I came in, we were talking. It's eclectic. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff uh, has come out of. Um, other buildings around town that uh, my business partner, Eric Kelmanson, uh, has purchased. Um, so, you know, just random stuff he finds in those buildings will make its way over here if we uh, if we like it enough to hang it on the wall or throw it on the bar or something. Getting here. I mean, you're, you're open three days a week. Is that right? We are, yeah. And, uh, and the hours are? Uh, so we are Thursday and Friday, 5 to 10. And then Saturdays, we open a little bit earlier uh, from 3 to 10. Okay. Um, and the idea is, you know, kind of padding that schedule a bit more, putting more hours and more days in. Um, but one of the big limitations, me and pretty much everybody else who's employed here has other other jobs. Right. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of trying to fit it in where we can and as best we can. Just a, um, a quick resume on you. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I see we're both from Bucks County. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Born How'd you and, get here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Born and raised there. Uh, graduated from Temple University. Uh, made my way up here uh, when I was still in college uh, for oh. a girl. Didn't work out, but I stayed here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been here since uh, 2016. Wow. Um, okay. And I've been brewing uh, pretty much since I turned legal. Uh, home brewing in my my Philadelphia apartment, um, which had its own unique set of challenges, um, and then yeah, just kind of kept at it. Um, when I moved up here, I found the State College Homebrew Club, which mm-hmm. is just a super awesome group of people. Learned a ton, was able to get feedback on my my beers, and um, and just kind of taste so many different things. You know, you go to a homebrew club, you'll taste something you can never get. Anywhere else, for better or worse, but also true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's all part of the learning experience. And uh, eventually, I was elected president of the State College Homebrew Club, okay. and that was actually how uh, my partner Eric and I met. He just kind of shot off an email to uh, to our email address, uh, trying to get in touch with the president. Just hey, is a brewery viable in Phillipsburg? Started this discussion, and then him and I met and became really good friends. And uh, now we're here. So <laughs> that was actually a question I really wanted to ask. Yeah. <laughs> is a, I mean, how, why Phillipsburg and is it working? And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Eric started out here. Um, he was, he was in Phillipsburg and had interest in Phillipsburg before I honestly had ever stepped foot here. Um, so we met, um, he brought me out and, and showed me the space. And I think that was, is he, he from here or 
Uh, he's originally from Maine. Oh, um, wow. Okay. I, I feel like I've asked him like multiple times how he ended up here in Phillipsburg. I gotta say, having <laughs> come over the mountain from Belfont, yeah. I can see where he might feel at home yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, he brought me out uh, to, to show me the space and everything. And I think that was kind of part of his master plan. Because as soon as I walked in, I was like... <laughs> it's an awesome space. Yeah. Um, the high ceilings, the original tin ceilings and everything. Um, wall. Yeah, yeah. Just so, so cool. But yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how how we ended up here. Um, I never, you know, admittedly saw myself here, uh, but you know, here we are. So when when did Dead Canary open? About a year ago? Yeah, a little over six months. Uh, we opened the last weekend of October wow, of, okay. of 2022. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've learned a tremendous amount in that very short time. <laughs> How, how long did it take you to get up and running? I mean, well, no, I mean, before opening. Yeah, so the... Eric and I started talking to each other uh, the February before COVID. Okay. Uh, and, you know, March, I think, is widely so about regarded 15 as... 15 years ago in, <laughs> yeah. in people time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, March is when, when things kind of, uh, you know, shut down and everything, okay. so... We he had bought the space already. He already owned it. Was already renovating it. We talked about this. It was kind of like, yeah, we're gonna do it. And then that happened. Mm. Um, and then it was just a super slow process. We were being really timid about it because who knew what was gonna happen, sure. you know? Um, and kind of dragged our feet. We would just buy, um, you know, used brewing equipment for cheap when we would see it come up. Our our brew system over there is. Um, something we picked up for like five grand out in Pittsburgh. Nice. Um, you know, just trying to scoop up these deals while we could. And in the meantime, just waiting out the madness. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I guess it was in the works for probably two years, two and a half years before we actually opened. So you got the brewing system. That is dead cheap. Yeah. Um, how, how big is it? What's it? What's it? Uh, it's electric? So Steam? it's uh, direct fire, oh, wow. um, okay. yeah, natural gas. Um, it's a two and a half barrel system. Okay. Um, and I mean, to look at it, it just looks like a scaled up version of what I brewed on in my garage. It for... looks like a big soup kettle. Yeah. What it looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it, it has definite limitations, but I think to quote Walter from the Big Lebowski, the beauty is in its simplicity. Like it is dead simple to operate we have one panel with like one little switch um we brew up here we pump it down to the basement into our fermenters and it's you know it's it's just a really easy system to get used to uh-huh you're only open three days a week so yeah yeah so um you know we brew um it depends you know what we're brewing and and where we're at um we serve from unitanks downstairs so mm-hmm. if, if we have a couple of those that uh, all run out at the same time. That means we have to brew more, obviously. <laughs> um, I think I did mention when you walked in here, uh, we are still learning everything every single day. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we would, I would say we brew like on average once a week, uh, maybe once every two weeks. So. Okay. Cause I, I mean, we're drinking your, uh, house IPA. Does that have an the name is it yeah so this this one is named after uh the building which is the hoffer building so this is this is hoffer okay good beer good beer thank you yeah um the name the dead canary is that a a mine reference yeah absolutely um yeah it's 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 a little like you know tongue-in-cheek too about just kind of um maybe the current state of phillipsburg (laughs) um 
you know, and, and, and I say that with, you know, uh, with my partner, Eric is really trying oh, as hard here. as he that can says more than yeah, anything. Yeah, to, yeah. to revitalize spaces and, and really kind of do things that bring people here. And obviously the brewery is a, a huge part of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, we're involved in trying to do that as much as we can in Milheim too. It's just, it's what you do in central Pennsylvania. Right yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah. If you're not state college, Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, have you seen any changes? I mean, we were talking about whether a, a brewery is viable in Phillipsburg. Mm-hmm. Have have tastes changed in six, eight, whatever it is, months? Or I think we have definitely we've had a ton of people in here who primarily would go to the American Legion, which we always kind of joke is like our biggest competition in town, but also not really a joke yeah. like yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah we've we've had a lot of people in um who have tried a, a bunch of different stuff and they'll taste it and we see that reaction of like oh this is still beer and it tastes completely different from anything i've ever tasted um you know we do have uh canary is our house cream ale that's kind of our um alternative to like a macro lager it's just super light super dry um not above five percent um so we do have that for people who come in and want a bud miller cores alternative but yeah i mean it's been really cool to just kind of turn people on to to different styles and um give them something that we know they've never tried before yeah yeah that's uh i I always love it when a place opens up in a place where there really hasn't been before yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely so what beers do you have on do you have a regular lineup yeah, we, uh, we always try to have Canary and Hoffer on um, just because of the state of being a, a nanobrewery. They aren't always on, but that is the goal oh, okay. <laughs> to, right. to always have those on. Um, but then other than that, we have uh, we always try and have a fruited sour on. So those will change every time that one kicks. You know, we'll put something new on. Uh, our current one is uh, modeled after like a bomb pop. Oh, okay. Those red, white, and blue popsicles. So it's got a raspberry, cherry, and lime juice in it. Uh, we have a black IPA, which is one of my favorite styles. I just, I love them so much and you don't see them anymore. And then, uh, we have an American Porter, which, uh, we serve off of our beer engine. We have an Angram beer engine. We do. Yeah. Uh, that was, I, I told Eric when we first started, that was like one of the conditions. (laughs) (laughs) So to speak. Yeah. Those, those are my, like my favorite beers are English, English styles served off of a beer engine. Um, so we, we kind of had to have one of those. Um, and then we also have a session ipa on which uh, is is one of my favorites um it's like a four and a half percent uh galaxy and citra hops yeah so a lot of ipas right now we're not usually like that ipa heavy but um you know it's just kind of the way it all landed um but yeah yeah like you said that kind of comes with the anniversary territory yeah yeah absolutely Um, um do things stay on a long time do they turn over pretty well depends on the beer yeah, yeah yeah definitely um it is pretty rare that we'll have a batch of beer last longer than a month oh, i would say um uh, yeah so um and especially with the ipas it's really nice to just kind of cycle through those quick we don't sure. want those hanging around um but yeah yeah i mean we we go through beer quick because we are not brewing a very lot of it <laughs> yeah. you know you know to put it in perspective uh you know four and a half or uh, five half barrel kegs for each batch that we're brewing so you know we we kind of cruise through it pretty yeah. quick 
strongest point for the place for I mean particularly for locals the the beer the atmosphere the quality value I I think um, for people in town uh, it's just that there's nowhere else like this mm-hmm. right now we are you know kind of one of a kind in that aspect um, but I think just generally speaking um, the authenticity we came having the brewery sitting right there yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we don't we don't really hide very much um (laughs) we we are what we are and um you know we always joke that like um a lot of other breweries their bathrooms cost more than our entire operation um we are completely bootstrapped like everything is is diy um everything is kind of like how can we make this work Full transparency, we only just got a glycol system in downstairs and are in the process of installing that. So we have been, uh, you know, figuring out solutions to that, um, which for... Yeah, you know, brewers get by with that for centuries. Yeah, exactly, so. right? If, if they can do it, we can do it too. Uh, so yeah, we, we had a whole bunch of different approaches for that. Um, we were using Norwegian yeasts for oh, okay. a really long time that ferment super hot. Yeah. Um, that was kind of our workaround for that. You still use them? Uh, for certain beers. Yeah, certain beers. I like them for some beers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Certain beers that we started brewing and we were like, oh, this is actually really good with the Norwegian yeah. yeasts. We've, we've kept up with it. Um, and you know, it makes for a really easy brew day because we don't have to worry if it's coming out of the, the chiller at 90 degrees. Just send Throw it. it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and I, I was using those a ton when I was home brewing too. So, um, you know, I have a lot of experience with those. Um, I have some favorite strains and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's one of my favorite parts about brewing is just kind of figuring out the puzzle. Um, yeah. you know, but yeah, to, to get back to kind of your question, I think just that authenticity, like, um, if someone comes in and asks me a recipe, I will pull out the sheet and show them. Um, and we can walk down to the basement and I'll show you where it's fermenting yeah, right are, now. Are you getting many people from, I don't know, like well out of town or are you like on the beer tourist map? Um, so we were on one for, uh, it's not the central PA tasting trail. I think it was, um, kind of more focused like on, um, Clearfield area and Dubois and that, that okay. kind of area. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're getting a, a bunch of state college traffic, okay. um, people driving over the mountain, um. I would love to, and we are working towards like getting uh, to-go options as far as like oh, prowlers okay. and that kind of stuff. I think that'll be a big help in um, getting people over here who maybe don't want to drink here and drive back across the mountain, yeah. you know. But then also, obviously, just spreading spreading the word by having a portable option, sure. you know. Sure. So. I mean, if somebody if somebody walked in with an empty growler. Oh, we fill those. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. We fill growlers. Awesome. But yeah, okay. um, yeah, we we're uh, kind of in the works right now, trying to figure out a growler machine and labeling mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of that, I don't want to say isolation. That's yeah. that's a really loaded word. <laughs> uh, you are like what? Maybe at least twenty twenty five minutes drive from any other craft brewery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it is it fair to say you're at least that far from any? craft beer bar i mean denny's yeah is about it <laughs> yeah yeah really um i know rj's in town will um they have some craft options uh-huh. on tap um but yeah i mean as far as finding like really really local beers um it's it's either us or you're driving out to clearfield or yeah. to state college yeah. so so does that affect things like what people are looking for what they're expecting 
I mean, yes, they, they come out here. Um, anyone who's coming from out of town, I think, is is just looking for somewhere that they can hang out. And, and we okay. love providing that. You uh-huh. know, we're, we're a large space. We have comfy chairs, you know. You do have comfy chairs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit different from, I think, what people think of when they think Phillipsburg. So we're, we're kind of happy to provide a space for that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, as far as the beers, I mean, I think being as small as we are, that is that is kind of the luxury that we have is we don't have to brew to like fit anybody's tastes mm-hmm. necessarily. It's like we can experiment and we can do weird stuff and the repercussions of such are not not that great for us. <laughs> so that, that was actually one of the uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you. What um, what do you like to experiment with? I mean, do you, well, first off, I guess I should ask. Yeah. Do you? Do you think of the beer program here as having a focus? I know you said you like the English ales, but obviously you're not doing just that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, it it really reflects like what I was doing when I was homebrewing a lot, which was kind of having those kind of standby options. So like our cream ale, our house IPA, just having like quote unquote normal stuff. Uh, but then doing some really weird stuff and then also mixing in those authentic styles. I mean, like my, I guess my tastes are kind of a complete mutt. <laughs> like, ah. you know, I say my favorite styles are, are English styles and those classic styles. And then I find myself reaching for a hazy IPA or a stout that has, you know, ginger snaps and Oreos in it. I I hear myself here. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that the end result of that is just, I I enjoy and I I love craft beer. Um, So that is, uh, that's kind of our program is just loving craft beer and and brewing everything under that umbrella that we can. Okay. So I might not find really anything here, but quite a few. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, What what direction would you like to see this uh, go in the future? Uh, so, I mean, I realize it's pretty early to be asking that, but (laughs) yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when we first started this whole, uh, project and I, I say that word very literally, it is a project. Um, you know, we had no guarantees of success, um, and we still don't, you know, it's, it's just a passion project for us. Um, and I think we would be happiest if we just became kind of a hub in town that people were like, Oh, Phillipsburg, that's where that brewery is at. Like, you know, uh, we got to go there and and see what's on tap. Um, you know, beer wise, I, I really love doing like culinary inspired stuff. Mm -hmm. So one of the beers that we have, um, kind of on the schedule to brew here soon is a, uh, Thai green curry inspired IPA. Um, so that one's got Thai basil, ginger, coconut, and lime in it. Um, and, it just works. Um, okay. That's that's one of my old homebrew recipes. On what kind but, of base? Uh, so that's on an IPA base. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of a, a middle percent, like six I or seven percent. I have a friend back in the Philadelphia area, a guy named uh, Rich Paul, who just swears up and down that that Thai food is made for IPAs. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's something about um, you know, I don't know if it's the fruitiness from the hops or just like the the smooth kind of hazy base. It just it works for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of culinary inspired stuff. Those I, I really like doing and I feel like um, that's something that we want to do that I feel like will set us apart from some of the neighboring breweries. Okay. Um, you know, um, just kind of going with these crazy flavor profiles um, that you don't really see very often. Okay. 
much more generally, to yeah. kind of wind the thing up, um, people want to come to Phillipsburg. Why? I mean, obviously to come here. But, I mean, what else is there that draws people to Phillipsburg? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a really big part of it, um, at, at least for me and I know a lot of others, is the proximity to just wilderness. Yeah. Um, you know, Blackmo is right up the street. Right there. Um, and it's just it's such a beautiful area to, to walk around. Um, but also, I mean, Phillipsburg itself is, is beautiful. It reminds me of Belfont a lot in a lot of the old architecture and the old buildings and stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that we're like trying to copy Belfont necessarily, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we have a lot of the same foundation here. Um, and I think, you know, what, what we're trying to do is just bring it up a notch where people, people say, Hey, I want to go to Phillipsburg for the brewery, the restaurant, the, the shop that I really like, like all of these things. So um, that is really the goal is just kind of bringing back, you know, maybe the former glory of what, what Phillipsburg was once upon a time. Yeah. It seems like it was a pretty industrial town for, for a while. Like things were happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, they, they had their own brewery here. Um, not since I think the forties. Uh, so it's been a while for that, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's still a good amount of industry here. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's a little different from, from what it used to be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those stories you hear about a lot of like rural PA towns is they build a highway now nobody drives yes. through town, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that was, that was a huge part of it. Um, but yeah, uh, we're really trying to kind of foster that sense of you should be coming back here and driving down our, our main street and seeing what we have. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's the story of a lot of places I go on this yeah. thing. So <laughs> I can, I can definitely, uh, empathize. Yeah. Brent, thank you. Uh, Absolutely. It's been, it's been interesting. I'm, uh, we, we drank this IPA. I'm, Looking forward to tasting a few more. We'll do that off mic. And, for sure. Uh, you know, best of luck here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Now, the other brewery I stopped in was just a quick visit because the Dented Keg in Clearfield is a satellite brewery. Their original brewery is in Mars, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. But there is a full-on brewery here with a small barrel aging program, and it's definitely worth a visit. I mean, it's worth it for the view alone. Dented Keg sits right on the west branch of the Susquehanna, by the Market Street Bridge. And when you have a seat, you can look down river. Hell, if you have a seat by the windows, you can look down at the river. I did that myself while having a 504 Pale Ale, and it was a good glass, clean and crisp. I'll probably be back. Well, that leaves only the two wineries, so let's get to them. The first one I went to was Angel Walk, north of Phillipsburg in the little village of Allport tucked back behind the houses and trees, but worth the finding. There's a waterfall by the parking lot, and it might be an artificial one, but I don't mind, and a nice outdoor seating area. There's often live music on the weekends out there, and it's a great spot. But how's the wine? Well, I got a flight, inside, at the bar, of the dry and the semi-dry. I've made it no secret that I'm not a sweet fruit wine guy, even though they are quite popular in central Pennsylvania. The semi-dry Riesling was good, as was the semi-dry red Fredonia. I liked the dry cherry character of the Cabernet Sauvignon. The oddly named Swamp Poodle was intriguing with a variety of fruit and dry mineral character. Jennifer was serving me the flight and talked me into trying a sample of their fruit wine slush. It's a combination of red, white, and fruit wines that was, well, fun to drink. 
I'd go back here. It was inviting. It's not far off I-80, but secluded in the woods, and that outdoor area looked great. Well, I'll tell you, talk about secluded. Star Hill Vineyard is southwest of Clearfield, just north of Kerwinsville, but there's not much else out there. It's quiet, and it's beautiful. The views across the vineyards into the hills were great, even on a cloudy day. The tasting room has a lodge-like feel to it, with wood ceiling and wood floor, cozy tables, and a friendly staff who will happily chat you through some tastings. The wine is the usual array of Pennsylvania wines, heavily tilted to sweet fruit wines, but with a selection of more traditional dry reds and whites for folks like me. How were they? I liked the Malbec enough to buy a bottle. It was, like the Angel Walk Cabernet, dry but fruity. Looking forward to that as a chilled red later this summer. As I drove down off the hilltop from Star Hill, I realized that there was another reason to visit Phillipsburg and Clearfield. Getting there. If you stay off Route 322 on I-80, if you tell Google Maps to avoid highways, you'll find some positively enchanting drives through green hills and valleys, along rushing streams and quiet little lakes. You're also not far from the McGee's Mills Bridge near Mahaffey, which is the last covered bridge left that crosses the Susquehanna River. That's why most people come here, for the parks, for the camping, for the hunting and fishing, for the nature. Don't miss it. It's some of the best stuff central Pennsylvania has to offer, and to focus solely on the towns and the quickest ways to get there would be a real oversight. I do want to remind you of my hometown festival coming up at the end of July in good old Milheim. July 29th and 30th will be Milheim Summerfest, with three stages of live music, local food and drink, and a variety of crafts and artwork for sale right in the center of town at Elk Creek Aleworks, Pisano Winery, and the Milheim Hotel. It's free admission, the music is free, and the parking is free too. Food and drink are pay-as-you-go. You know, here's a chance to see all the stuff we talked about in Episode 8. And that's the show. Thanks to Brent Baskin for coming out on a rainy Tuesday night to do that interview, and thanks to Doug Graham for showing me around his barbecue pit. You can find pictures of that barbecue pit and some of these other places on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. Please consider subscribing to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, please take a moment and drop a rating or review. Thanks! I do have a coffee button set up in my Instagram link tree, Twitter profile, both of which are at Lou Bryson, and at the Seen Through a Glass Facebook page and blog. If you like the show, rather than a paid subscription, this is an easy way to drop me a few bucks to help keep this going, to pay for tips for bartenders, gas for the Subaru, and a couple of beers. Thanks to those of you who have already donated. You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. May the Western Branch run clean and full of snot otters. The next episode is going to be from the mountain wilds of Western North Carolina. My wife's youngest brother and his wife welcomed us to stay at their mountain home for a couple weeks, and I've scouted out some breweries, damn good cidery, and a cheese factory, and maybe an unusual soft drink plant. Maybe I can find a moonshiner too. Until then, thanks for listening. This is Lou Bryson on Seen Through a Glass from the smack dab center of the Keystone State. Mm-hmm.